Good morning. Good morning, Main Street. So glad that you all are here. Good morning. For those of you joining online, we're so happy that you've joined us as well. Um, as you probably did not notice, or you may have, we were not here last week. We, uh, our youth went on a retreat out at Timber Creek Camp. It was our uh, annual winter retreat. And um, I just want to share with you some things because all what happens in our youth and in our children's and across the church is because of your prayers and it's because of your support and it's because of your love of our students. So I was able to get home and write 11 things down automatically that I swear I saw God in the weekend, which is awesome. Normally, I don't see things until maybe a week or so, two weeks later, when I think about and process things. But God was so good to us and was gracious enough to me for, me for me to be able to see these things. And I just want to share a couple of them with you. We had a student who decided to begin a relationship with Jesus, which is absolutely awesome, right? That's what we're here for. That was incredible. We um, had a student who rediscovered their love for scripture, which was great. Uh, we have a student who came up and told me he didn't think church is annoying as what he thought it was, you know, so that's great. Absolutely awesome. Um, praise God. Um, and we also had a student who, in his quiet time, decided, and I want to bring a picture maybe next week, but he, two dead logs, and he, he's pretty stout, I couldn't do it, two dead logs with vine and made a cross, a cross that's taller than me and wider than my, my, wider than my arms. It was incredible. He just felt led to do that. And so there's awesome things happening in our church and in our children's ministry and in our youth ministry, and you're a part of that. And I just want to say thank you, and I want to celebrate those things with you. So thank you guys so much for the love and support that you give our students. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then our praise band is going to lead us into worship, and we'll, we'll begin today, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we love the fact that we can come and celebrate the wonderful things that are happening in and around us. It's so easy for us to come and, and to, to be negative, to experience negative, to show negative, because that's what gets the clicks, right? But Father, we want to acknowledge the positive things that you are a part of in our community and in our lives. Father, help us to, to see you in that way. Help us to be able to seek first you and your kingdom, because we know that you are at work and you have shown us that through the fruits of so many things, and we're so grateful. I do know a lot of us are coming in here with baggage, with things that are going on in our lives, and, and I pray that we all understand that this is the moment for us to give that to you so that we can fully engage with you, we can fully experience your love and be transformed by your grace and mercy so that when we walk out of these um, walls today, we can go and be the hands and feet that you have called us to be as the followers of Christ. We love you so much, Jesus, and we welcome you into this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's worship.
since the glue that holds us together, Tim Cole received a devastating cancer diagnosis. And we're going to celebrate this morning that Tim is here and that we love you. Oh, that's a round of applause, people. If ever there was one. But what this journey has been, we can only, we all, we've only seen a glimpse of what this journey has been for Tim, for your family. But we want to say publicly that this has been a, a journey of resilience, of faith, and it has changed the dynamics of everything that we do in this space, everything in, in, in just in our lives in general. We've learned not to take moments for granted. We've learned to celebrate his presence and our presence to be here together, to worship together. I'll tell you something, every word was different. Every word is different when there's a different vulnerability and realness in this, in this space. And so Tim, we love you. You are our hero. We'll celebrate every moment with you and as we continue on this journey together. So let's continue in worship this morning. No. You make it beautiful, you make it beautiful, you make it beautiful, you make it
seated. The Lord be with you. Welcome to Main Street on this summery February morning. It seems like an odd, odd mix there, but it's really reality. I'm so glad you came and chose to be a part of the, our life together today. Just a few names I want to mention. You've already heard we want to continue to remember Tim Cole and Dudley Dearman, who both are receiving cancer treatment and all the complications that come with that. Um, Paul Woolheater had heart valve re- repair surgery this past week, and so I think he's home. He was supposed to go home Friday, and um, it, that, that's hopefully accomplished. And then we want to continue to remember Jewel Jones, who has knee replacement surgery in the next 10 days. Um, let's remember the MacArthur family as they try to find the best long-term care for Barry um, in this time. Are there names you want to mention? Well, then let's pray the prayer that's on the screen. If you would read the bold with me. Almighty God, grant that all who confess your name may be united in your truth. Live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us a reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please stand let's continue in worship.
all come forward. Morning, good morning. Look at all the boys and girls coming. You know, recently, not too terribly long ago, my doctor told me that it would be a very good idea if I started doing yoga and said it would be good for these old bones of mine. Yep. So I was telling my friend and and she said, well, you know, yoga is really supposed to be good at building strength and, and your balance and improving your flexibility. And so I'll do it with you, right? And since we were both beginners, we started with all the, the easy stuff, right? And you know what I found out? Yoga is a lot harder than what I thought it was. I was trying to get my body to move in ways that it hasn't moved in a very long time. And my balance was not what I thought it was at all. And if I had been doing that by myself, I would have gotten very frustrated and I would have quit. But I wasn't by myself. My friend was with me and she was having a hard time too. And we had a lot of giggles and then one day we realized, hey, we're, we're getting better at this. And we realized that together we had helped each other. So I want you to think, have you ever tried something new that was, that was hard? Just think for a second. Have you ever tried something that you'd never tried before and it was difficult to do? and think, did you have somebody to help you with that and to help you learn? You're thinking? Did they expect you to be perfect at the very beginning of it? Or did they realize that you were gonna have some falls and some giggles as along the way? So, Today is the first Sunday of Lent, okay? And during Lent, some people, they decide to give something up, which can be very difficult. And some people have decided to try something new, which can, we know can be very difficult. But they do it to try to help follow Jesus a little more closely, and so starting something new sometimes is scary and, and it's hard, but we never really do it alone because we always have God. He is always with us. And thank goodness God does not expect us to be perfect. Thank goodness he meets us right where we are. So when Jesus started telling the good news, God was there. When Jesus was baptized, God was there. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, God was there. When Jesus started his ministry until the day that he died on that cross, God was there, right? And God is with us, too. No matter where we are in our lives, no matter when, no matter what, he is always with us. And I'm very thankful for that. 
So let's say a prayer, and then we're going to go upstairs, and we're going to talk about ways that we can talk to God. All right? So let's bow our hands. Dear God, thank you for meeting us exactly where we are, and we know you are always with us no matter where we go. And in Jesus' name, we always pray. Amen. Let's, uh, as they're exiting, let's look at the creed for ourselves, and um, we'll go up, we'll read it together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you all for being here this morning and be a part of worship. Um, we are now in Lent. Ash Wednesday this past Wednesday was the actual beginning of the 40 days of Lent. And if you have trouble wondering why 40 days, I mean, it's roughly, I mean, it's not really actually 40 days. It's 40 days, not counting Sundays. Um, Sundays are never considered a day of fasting. And it's a, roughly a tenth of your year. I mean, this is the idea of you know, you're kind of tithing your time along with everything else and maybe taking stock of yourself. So we hope that this season will be a time that you can renew and um, refresh and dream big about where you'd like to be in your relationship with God across time. Today is the last Sunday, officially, of the uh, giving for the medical dental mission that we support in Central America. So if you'd like to give, just mark it on your check or on the envelope, um, medical mission. And we know many of you have gone, and um, we do a lot of work, good work there through those of you who go. So thank you, and please continue in that work. And then also, I've been reading my favorite uh, pastor again, Lori Wagner, so I want to give her credit for some of these ideas that I expressed to you today, because she's really good. All right, let's look at Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Um, Lent always begins with this gospel passage. <clears throat> if you'll read the even-numbered verses with me. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written... One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the people of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we've heard this story many times, and um, we have struggled to maybe make a connection to it because we don't think that we're ever going to be tempted in exactly these ways. So help us to make a connection with our left today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Imagine you are a vineyard owner, um, and you're preparing a scrumptious feast for a party of esteemed guests, and you've gone to a great deal of preparation, and you're just about ready to serve. You brought out your best, sweetest red wine from your wine cellar, yet the weather is humid that day, and insects are swarming, and you've forgotten to cover the wine. And when the wine's poured, you realize that every glass is filled with gnats, which is kind of ironic that I'm having the sermon today because I've noticed that the gnats are coming out in the warm weather that we're having. It smells sweet, it looks sumptuous, but you cannot serve even one glass of your award-winning wine to your guests as each glass has been contaminated by dead gnats. In a sense, that's what it's like to put our best foot forward in every way, but fail to protect our spirits from the buzzing of the world's temptations that seek to desecrate and destroy the way we love and live. In our world, just as in the world when Jesus lived a couple thousand years ago, it's often hard to see when we are led astray. Poisoned apples can appear when we least expect it. How are we to know the difference between fair and foul? finery or folly. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us that even a little folly can outweigh your best wisdom and honor. You may live an admirable life, but to those around you will remember that one significant mistake you made, and it will be your stamp and signature for a long time after that. Just ask any celebrity or politician if the transgression is not remembered again and again. One wrong move can destroy a career or a career or a reputation you've spent a lifetime building. When learning to drive a car, you can spend hours upon hours learning and practicing and preparing for the road, but one wrong move, one wrong second's distraction, one brief look away from the road, and your life could end. It only takes a split second to end a life that could have lasted decades. And I'm not trying to scare us, but what I'm trying to say is, Temptation often appears innocuous and can often grasp us when we least expect it. Living life is full of everyday risks, but yet we temper these risks, these everyday risks, with wisdom. We try to moderate the risk. That was Solomon's message. To the best of our ability, we look out for swarming flies and cover our wine with wisdom. Most of all, we keep our eyes and our lives focused on our relationship with God and watch out for dangerous distractions. For whenever God's sweetest, or wherever God's sweetest souls reside, you can be sure that the flies of contention and temptation are going to be swarming around. That's just the way life is. The kinds of flies that seek to infiltrate the purity of our lives are not attracted to sour dispositions. They're attracted to sweet, pure dispositions. Or as if 
as is the saying attributed to Martin Luther, the, the guy who started the whole Protestant conversation that we are still having, whenever God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. And I think there's some truth in that because we, wherever we are, there we are, and we have our, we're complicated. <clears throat> whenever we're trying to focus on God through prayer or meditation or worship or scripture, we will become more and more aware of the kinds of temptations that threaten to lure us toward the easy ways out or the promises of a quicker and more satisfying life achieved through the machinations of our own devices or the false pretenses of those who would capture our attention and sway us toward things that glitter and pop. And we're all, by the way, attracted to things that glitter and pop. Everybody likes a winner. I mean, I can tell that a lot of you went to the baseball game today because we had a big winner yesterday. So it's the way it goes, right? We all love a winner. We all love things that look great and seem easy and are enjoyable. We're all attracted to that. Now, that by no means implies that living a life focused on God needs to be boring, needs to be unsatisfying, needs to be tedious. I mean, we've all had, and maybe we've probably all been, those tedious Christians that are all about the rules and making sure you and everybody you know obeys the rules and pointing out people's faults to themselves, that, which is probably why the youth person said earlier, I've decided church is not nearly as annoying as I thought it was. Living a life in relationship with God will bring us fulfillment and adventure and excitement and joy as we've never before imagined if we will let it. The illusion that we can find all this on our own, by our own means or by turning away from God, will always threaten to dance in front of us. I can do it by myself. Especially in times of preparation or stress, like a mirage in the desert or kind of that Disney fantasy. Maybe y'all didn't have this experience. When I was a kid, we went to Disney a lot. And sometimes the idea of going to Disney was better than actually doing Disney. You you ever had that experience? I mean, after the long day and standing in the line for the hamburger, this has a big around and you paid $10 for it. I mean, right, so sometimes the illusion, the mirage is actually better than the reality. And it's luring. This is the case as Jesus approaches his three-year mission, a mission he knows is going to be hard and will require all the emotional and physical and spiritual strength he has inside of him. He's got to endure. In a sense, he's been driven into the desert for a kind of spiritual boot camp training by the Holy Spirit, exactly because he will need to be prepared for a kind of self-sacrificial mission. One that will require him to stay focused and strong and faithful. He can't risk distractions. And remember his response to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter tries to distract him. And he can't risk taking the easy way out or resorting to power and control or narcissistic tactics in order to make his mark on the world. Jesus will culminate God's victory not through power plays or deals made but through carrying out God's plan of covenantal grace, love, sacrifice, and forgiveness. The evil, however, is Lord of the deal. Deal Deal-making in the Faustian sense is what evil does best. Evil makes a deal for a price, or we all know there's no such thing as actions without consequences. 
In the scripture today, we see the interaction happening between Jesus and his temptations in the form of the devil personified. After 40 days of fasting and prayer and spiritual preparation, which is, by the way, where we get the Lenten number, he is both strong and vulnerable. His human side is really evident here as he's naturally hungry after all this fasting. So what's his first temptation? Instead of truly carrying out your mission in human form as planned, use your divine powers to make some bread appear. Why? Because you can. I mean, have you ever done something just because you can? Why? Because you can. You're the son of God. Use your power to feed yourself and take what you need. You have what you need to get what you want. Yet Jesus replies, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is in the wilderness to prepare. He will not allow his hungers, physical or otherwise, to distract him from his devotion to God or keep him from relying on God's providence and sovereignty. After this 40-day time with the Lord, he's not going to be distracted by food now. Jesus, even the Son of God, will respect his office and intentionally protect and cover his mission until the time to feast begins. He can wait. He doesn't have to have it right now. I mean, I don't know how you are, but sometimes I think I can't wait. I can't. I need it right now. Feeling weak of heart, worried about what he knows he must accomplish in the self-sacrificial nature of his mission, Jesus next is tempted to test whether God actually has his best interests in mind. Will God respond and save him in the end as he did Isaac from the altar? Does his special status give him the right to play games with God for attention or demand proof of how the mission will unfold and that God will be victorious? Lord, I'll follow you, but I really would like you to tell me exactly how this is going to be before I dive in. Or can he trust in the promise and the covenant of God? Like Adam and Eve, Jesus is tempted toward disbelief. And by the way, being tempted toward disbelief is a natural and normal reality for believers. I don't know how it is for you, but disbelief spurs me to look deeper. Like when, when I've believed a certain way for a long time and it no longer will hold, disbelief or that kind of fraying at the edge makes me, okay, there has to be more than this. And so it makes, you, makes me look deeper. Disbelief is not necessarily the spur toward atheism or agnosticism. Disbelief can be the spur to look more deeply for what God has in mind. Like Adam and Eve, Jesus is tempted toward disbelief. Could God be deceiving him? Does God truly have his best interest at heart? Once again, the devil appears to Jesus' human side, desiring him to question God and question his entire mission. Jesus, however, unlike Adam and Eve, does not fall for the trick and responds, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally, Jesus' humanness is tested a third time as the devil urges him to take the easy way out. He could respond in just the way his earthly disciples and his peers wished he would respond. He could seize power, overthrow Rome, start a revolt, rule the nations as David and Solomon did. 
All he had to do is forsake his covenant with God and make a deal with the devil instead. I mean, it, it's not a bad outcome. I mean, he would be a just ruler, wouldn't he? It's not a bad outcome here that he would get rid of the tyranny of Rome and replace it with righteous rule. He can be self-serving instead of self-sacrificing. He can gain the world instead of saving it. Jesus, Jesus declined saying, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Despite his hunger, despite his doubt, maybe despite his fear of what he knows is to come, Jesus stands his ground. He will not be distracted. At last the devil departs and Jesus is prepared and ready. And Jesus' ministry will be marked by the covenant love that he affirms to this day. Love is not power or selfishness. I think we need to hear that. Love is not power. Some of us use love like it's power. Love is not power or selfishness. Love is not control or mistrust and does not test God or another person's devotion. Love is not a deal made for self-promotion, but a covenant entered into in a spirit of self-sacrifice. Sacrificial love would be the mode of Jesus' mission, a mission that the Spirit prepared Jesus for during his time in the wilderness. <clears throat> and while we as disciples can't possibly fully imagine the difficult mission that Jesus would have to accept, we're all tempted to make our own self-serving goals in life and determine the direction of our path and our initiatives and our action. Like, I'm not even going to consult God. This is what I'm interested in. That's where I'm going. We are impatient beings. We revel in the demand of me and the demand of now. I mean, this is why I believe that all humans have some addiction. Some of them are chemical, but we all got some addiction because it's all about me and it's all about now. And too often we can allow ourselves to be lured into thinking that we deserve a different life or a different mission than the one that maybe we have. But deserve is a real tricky word, especially in our culture and in our lives, and an even trickier word in the relationship with God. For Jesus, in order to free us, gave his life and to gift us not with what we deserve, but to gift us with exactly what we do not and will never deserve. <laughs> Complete forgiveness, grace, salvation, eternity. In Genesis, Adam and Eve became convinced that God was keeping them from the life they deserved. Right when the, when the serpent offers, he just really doesn't want you to know what he knows. Right? Remember the, the lure? So the serpent convinced them that they weren't getting the life they deserved. That God was holding out on them. That they couldn't trust God to have their best interests at heart. That they too could command and hold the power and status of God. They were convinced to mistrust God and to trust 
a very manipulative voice. Why? Because it fed their desire for power through the assumption that we are, therefore we deserve. And we all got some of that going on. So here's the question for you this morning. What do you think you deserve? What do you think you deserve? Is that life that you envision so different from what God may already have in mind for you? Do you believe that there really is a God in charge of the universe? Now, it's easy to go, yeah, I believe that. But do you really believe that there's a God in charge of the universe, and do you believe that God has your best interests at heart? I was talking to a, a grandmother, a mother and grandmother, a few years ago. This was before her death, and I said she was wor so worried about her children and grandchildren. I said, you know, do you believe the Lord has them in his hand? Yes, but I believe the Lord needs my help. Right? I think that's most of us, right? We, Yes, I believe there's a God, but God needs my help. Do you really believe that God has your best interests at heart? Can you rely on God to provide you a gracious life? Or do you have to manipulate life and manipulate people and manip manipulate circumstances to get what you want or what you need or what you think you deserve? God does not make deals with us. I mean, we are bargainers, but God does not make deals. God instead invites us into a covenant relationship with God through Jesus that nourishes us and assures us and prepares us and saves us from ourselves. Because I think that's what most salvation is for, really about, saving us from ourselves. It might save me a little bit from you, but it's mostly going to save me from me. Save me from me so that the distractions of my life won't destroy me. We each have a life that we've been given. When we refuse to live it fully or to protect it and to trust God to travel it with us with our best interests at heart, we refuse the gift that God has given us and instead doom ourselves to live somebody else's life. Live the life you've been given. Live the life you've been given. Let the Lord surround you and keep you with his Holy Spirit to protect and nourish your, your sweetness, your kindness, your love. Now, some of us may have to dig. We've got a few layers on top of all this, but we, you do have sweetness and kindness and love. The feast of the Lord is always near. And you, beautiful, faithful, and undeserved believer are who God chooses to grace with life. You're chosen. May God grant us the grace to live God's bidding in our lives, and may God make it so for all of us. Amen. I'm reminded as we um, come to this table today that... <clears throat> We always need to be self-sacrificing, and I always forget to tell you, but these um, offering plates up here are for a, a way for us to give. I mean, money's not the only way to give to the Lord.
but because of our denominational connections, every dollar you give is split in a thousand different ways and goes all over the world doing good for those whose names you will never know and who will never know your name. So if you can give, please do as you come forward today and share in the table. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. After the meal, he likewise took the cup, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood shed for you and the sins of many. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask if the Sims and the Stevens, could y'all help me serve? And once they are in place, you are hardly welcome to come and share. I notice that we have a lot of folks here who are visitors and guests. You are hardly welcome to the table. This is not our table. It's God's table, and you are hardly welcome to share in it.
Thank you so much, Praise Band. Before we let you guys go, we do have some announcements here on the screen we want to make you guys aware of. Uh, first up is... All right, well, I know... Um, well, I was going to wait. I'll just wait. <laughs> we have youth tonight. Yeah, okay. Um, USM Wesley Pastors Cook-Off is um, Thursday, March 23rd. It's going to be right in here in the Fellowship Hall from 530 to 7. Silent auction, door prizes, chili cook-off between... All the pastors in the um, Hattiesburg district. So um, tickets are $5 a person, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if we've won lately, but <clears throat> I think we can do it this time, right? So we're so excited about that. Please make plans to attend that. It's always a good time. Bring money, Bring money Todd said. <laughs> Bring money, yes. Uh, Painting with Moms, Sunday, March 26th from 3 to 5. The ladies are invited to join us in the fellowship hall right here. For a little girl time, I like how it's worded. Michelle Clay and Lindsay Page will guide us in creating um, beautiful round door hangers using stencils. So if that's something you want to uh, be a part of or want to know more information about that, let Miss Susan know um, and let her know if you're attending by Sunday, March the 12th, so we can get everything in order. Oh, yeah. Zoo Day with the Children's Ministry is always fun. It's always like a zoo with the Children's Ministry. We will meet at the zoo at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, March 15th. Um, the details are in your newsletter, but if you have questions or concerns about any of that, let us know, and we can get you all that information, um, and Ms. Susan will send all of that to you. Oh, yeah. I knew this was coming up. Sunday Night Youth Group is tonight. Uh, we are coming back. Like I said, we had a wonderful retreat last week. Thank you all for your prayers and your love. Uh, we're having dinner tonight. I think it's spaghetti, salad, and some garlic bread, which is going to be great. It's from 530 to 730. So if you have any students or no, have your students have any friends that want to come, we would love to have you. It's been, a, been an awesome time. All right. That's all we have for you today. Enjoy your Sunday. You are dismissed to be the church. <laughs>